Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How are you doing today, Jay? Good morning. I'm doing Good okay. Morning. We're surviving. Through it. That's right. Groundhog's thing. Day. We've been here. We've been here before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this too shall pass. Yes, yes. Knock on wood, it shall pass. Um, before we get rolling with this week's guest. Uh, just a quick thank you to Hypebot and Bands in Town for everything you do to support us. And uh, our sponsors, thank you so much. Bandzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and of course, their amazing live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So we put together a cool little deal for the Music Biz Weekly listeners out there. Head over to bandzoogle.com and try it for 30 days. And when you register, use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, MUSICBIZWEEKLY, and you will get 15% off the first year of any subscription on bandzoogle.com. Awesome. And of course, discmakers.com. Thank you as well. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, t-shirts, online and at gigs has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. That's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. So we put together another offer for you. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, F-R-E-E-B-I-Z, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping fees. So head over to discmakers.com, promo code FREEBIZ, save $150 on shipping. So we got a guest joining us this week, Jay. We do. I came across this really cool uh, ebook called The Dumb Musician's Guide to Self-Releasing Music in the Digital Age. And, and I loved kind of the intro. It says, you've written your songs, you've recorded them, you've had them mixed and mastered. Now what? Now what <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, you and I have been trying to get Tony on the, on the show for a little bit. We're, our planet's finally uh, aligned. And it's a free guide. It's got some really great information in there that you should know. And maybe it's a refresher course, but uh, it's super cool. Yeah. So let it roll. Tony and the du the dummies. The dumb. The dumb musician's guide to self-releasing <laughs> music in the digital age. Yes. Go for Build it. a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. 
Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And today we are pretty excited to have Tony Guerrero on. Uh, Tony is the author of this really cool ebook I picked up called The Dumb Musician's Guide to Self-Releasing Music in the Digital Age. And I've seen a lot of these sorts of uh, guides. And so I, I went into this thinking, well, I had low expectations. And it's really good. It's really comprehensive. I highly recommend it. We can go through, you know, some of the areas with Tony. But uh, before we do, uh, Tony, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Where are you based, Tony? I'm in Orange County, uh, oh, California, okay. south of L.A. Yeah. All right. We'll keep the music down. We're trying to work. Yeah. We, got, yeah. we got a to do here. <laughs> well, well, thanks for joining us. I mean, this this ebook that you put together before we kind of dig in what what made you do this this thing is a beast uh you know what it's um i i've been like you guys i've been in business a long time i've been through uh, uh a lot of changes in the business where it seems like every time i'm releasing a project i'm i have to learn new ways to do it and uh about three Three or four years ago, I was uh, a musical director for Jane Lynch, the actress. She does a cabaret show, and we oh, toured. That's super cool. Yeah, it's great. She's great, and uh, uh, and Kate Flannery, who played Meredith on The Office, she's part of it. So we we've toured this show for a few years, and uh, in 2016, I think we decided to record a Christmas album, and uh, I suggested that she just release it herself. And so we ended up setting up a very legitimate, legitimate record label for her in the sense that, uh, you know, any, any of us can record something and put it out on CD, baby. And, and uh, I know plenty of people have done that, but I just, in my mind, I kept thinking, she's gonna hand me her name to do this business. I can't mess it up. So I thought I've got to, this has to be established very well and everything's set up properly um, because anything falls apart, it's got to, you know, I'm going to have to answer to her. <laughs> and um, thankfully, she's not like many of the characters she plays. But, um, uh, and I have a, a great manager who uh, has been with me since my career started, and she doesn't manage anymore, but she's still the, my go-to person for all the, all the business stuff. She seems to know everything. And so she, she helped me at that time. Again, I had, I had done this several times, over the years, but never where it was, uh, you know, from, the, from A to Z, every part of a record label, basically. Um, yeah. And, uh, and as I was going through the process, I thought, oh, yeah, I've done this before, but I totally forgot how to do it. I forgot how to set this up. And I just started writing stuff down and thinking, I, th I'm going to end up having to do this again. So I want to just remember these steps. And then uh, in the course of... Um, uh, the, the work that I do, I, I work with a lot of independent artists and musicians, and again, people who are just putting out their projects. And I just thought I, I should really compile this and give it to them. And I try to make it really clear, I don't consider myself an expert. And every time I do have to go through these steps, I feel like I learned something new. So I try to update the book, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I know that the information is valuable and necessary. And uh, I just wanted to put it together as easily as possible. You know, I, the, the, so few people I, I talk to even know what an ISRC code is. And <laughs> right. Yet, and yet right. it's everything, you know. That's right. So. Right. You know, so, one, of the, one of the things I, I loved about your ebook is 
it really focuses on the basics, right. the, the, the core basics, because so many books are very deep and they get way in, you know, it's sort of like you're, you're, you're intimidating and overwhelming that musician who, as you just said, doesn't even know what an ISRC code is, right. let alone all this other stuff that a book is going to spend a hundred pages going into great detail on you've got, you know, like, like your, your topics covered your 11 topics. These are all the very basics. And, and I think something Jay and I have always said is so many artists of all levels, not just the independents doing it on their cell on their own, but even the major artists forget the basics. They right. don't, they, nobody's paying attention to these basic core items until an album is released and somebody's going, uh, you forgot metadata. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that was part of the thing for me too. I, I've taught a lot over the years at, you know, uh, music conferences and, and things like that. And one of the things I've always enjoyed is try to take a, a big complex thing and dumb it down as much as possible. And in large part, just because that's how it helps me. So I've always in, enjoyed that process as I'm trying to uh, pass information along. So that was really the point here. And, and again, uh, just trying to let people know, I, I don't even, I couldn't write one of those big books. I don't know all of the nuts and bolts and details behind the scenes of all, all that stuff. I just don't. I know as an independent artist, I need to know what an ISR, ISRC code is. And I need That's to right. know, uh, you know, about what the different uh, digital distributors do and what ASCAP right. is. So those are the things I need to know. And this is really, it, it's a little bit, um, it, it was intended to be kind of surface level. You need to know something about these. And my hope is that as people start to do that, they start to dig in and get into those hundred page right. volumes that really I need you know, to do. Not you got to do it, right? I mean, that's how right. you learned it. You, right. a lot of these things, what I love about this is it's a quick reference also. You're like, okay, now what's what sound exchange again? And you can just right. kind of go in there, oh, that's right. That's what that is. So yeah. in that regard, it's, it's super useful on so many levels. But let's take it back uh, a couple of steps. So yeah. how did you get into the business? You're a musician. Did you have your own music out? Did you play with others before you became a musical director? How did that path come to be? Uh, I, I actually started out primarily as an, like when I got out of high school, I started hitting the jazz clubs within a, um, a couple of years. I ended up very fortuitously ended up with a, a small independent record label that really didn't know what they were doing either. Otherwise they wouldn't have signed me as a, as a young kid, but I got a record deal when I was, uh, just basically 19 or 20. I don't wow. know, but, um, and put something out that uh, in my mind, I was thinking, oh great, they're gonna pay and I get to go into a studio, which I hadn't done much of at all. And, um, and you know, I'll have something to sell on my gigs and, and you know, yeah. how exciting I get to hear myself on a CD, you know? Yeah. And, um, and somehow that, uh, a, a tune from that album ended up starting getting, starting to get some national airplay. And from that, uh, the the man the the label the lady who was running the label became my manager she actually signed me to a bigger label and uh, I I put out some uh, it was kind of the 
what I like to call a contemporary jazz market at the time. This is late 80s, early 90s. And it sort of transitioned into what's known as smooth jazz now. But back then, it That's was right. really a very different style of music. And I, yeah. I lost interest after several years when it became smooth jazz. But, uh, but so those early years for me, I was putting out albums and touring as a solo artist and really learning stuff <laughs> like it really should have been reversed. I should have learned all that stuff first and then started out as a solo <laughs> artist now. Right. Um, but that was, and again, I, I had a, a manager with me who got to know the business very well and was just a great guide through all of that. And then over the years, I just, as uh, I started backing out of that world and, and uh, doing more session work and more, um, just write, writing different music and different types of music. I started writing a lot more for different artists and different styles of music, some television stuff, that kind of thing. A lot, a lot of sessions and, and playing on people's albums. And uh, just sort of made, made my living in music and always kept a solo artist mindset. Because I always, uh, all, all through these years, I put out solo projects, some on labels, some independently. And so on those independent ones, like I said, every time I did it, I was like, I had to start over and relearn everything from the last time or learn all the new things that had happened. Right, right. You know? um, and then in the last several, uh, I would say really the last 10 or more, slightly more years, I've done a lot more um, big productions for bigger names. Like uh, I did a, a whole couple of big band albums for John Tesh. I did these projects with Jane Lynch, with... Um, uh, Dick Van Dyke, you know, different things like that, where I got to do arrangements or be the the MD or producer, and very cool, you know. And, and so I've I've had a pretty eclectic career. I'm I'm not really stayed in one on uh, in one lane, and I kind of like it that way. I I think I find that if I'm if I'm out performing a lot live and not recording, I'm missing the recording. If I'm in the studio too much, I'm missing the live. Yeah, if that I'm was my next question to Steve, yeah. which, you know, which you kind of had more of a, more of a passion for. What's, what's your weapon of choice? Is it the, is it the trumpet? Trumpet and flugelhorn have always been my main, my main instruments. And uh, I do a lot of keyboards and piano uh, in my work, but um, th those are the, that's what'll be on my tombstone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. awesome. Well, that gives you so much experience and that's the thing that michael and i find is uh, folks will write about this stuff um or they'll do research on it but it's a whole nother thing when you are a touring uh, musician or a recording musician because you learn by failing right and right. so you try things and some things work really well and for one recording that you do um, things work really well, but you try to translate that to the next. And as you talked about at the top of this, is that everything's evolving and changing now, you know, right. with technology, with this pandemic, you know, with all sorts of things. So what are you doing now to kind of pay the bills? Is it uh, recording remotely? Is it session work? I mean, what kind of things are you doing to kind of survive? Well, I do, I do have a really... Um a pretty good uh, home studio setup. So I've been recording here for the last 15 years. So I, I do get to do a lot of remote recording and I can produce entire projects here. I, about the only thing I can't really do is, is record a drum set very well, but everything under there, you know, all the other instruments and singers and all of that, yeah. I can get a whole lot done here. Um, 
And uh, so I've done a lot of projects here over the years and, and I've been able to continue some of that. And it, it really is everything from some big name acts to, uh, you know, local people just trying to get demos of their songs done. And, you know, I, again, I, I tried to just cut a wide path of, of interests and things I like to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've just been trying to keep that going. I've been, uh, trying to do a lot of writing. I, I do feel with the pandemic, one of the things I've been encouraging my musician friends or any of my friends really was, if you don't come out of this with new skills or new content, you've wasted a whole lot of months. Amen. You know? And so that's one of the things I've been trying to focus on for myself is using this time to learn some new things, uh, learn whether it's software or you know, theory sure. or whatever it is. Um, just make sure I'm using the time value, uh, well, using it well right. and, and, um, writing some new material, that kind of thing. That is really, really great advice. Um, and I, and we've touched on this a little bit, but I think even with this, this ebook that you have, that could be something for someone who, let's say your, your tour's not happening. You have more time at home you know, yes, you should be writing, you should be recording, you should be learning. There's so many tutorials for free on YouTube if you want to perfect your craft, whatever it is. But this could be another thing for folks to get this uh, Dumb Musician's Guide to Self-Releasing Music. Um, I like it because it's got some of these basics that we talked about, but there are things that you really need to think about. One of them I wanted to kind of touch on here really quick is, you know, choosing a digital distributor. Now, we all know that, you know, there's kind of the lower barrier to entry places like, you know, your CD Baby, TuneCore, DistroKid, that sort of thing. And then as you kind of get up to where it's more permission-based, you know, maybe like uh, ADA, uh, InGrooves, Orchard, some of those, all the way up to, you know, maybe Universal Music Group or Warner and, and right. ADA, do you have experience with kind of all those different levels and do you have any, uh, you know, advice for folks who are looking for distribution? Yeah. You know, if you look in my little uh, book here, I, I only list seven of them and yet there are, I don't even know how many, a hundred out a there, lot. 200, a thousand. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it. And the, the only reason I even listed those seven is because I do have uh, most of my experiences with those particular companies. And uh, the biggest one on there would probably be The Orchard. And that's where we did, again, Jane Lynch's labels through that and uh, a, a couple other projects I've run through them. Um, and then I, I, you know, early on, like everybody, I did CD Baby stuff and TuneCore. And I just learned a lot of valuable things. And th those are great companies and, and serve a lot of good. Absolutely. But there's so many, um, the, the confusing part and why there's only seven on there is because there are so many companies that companies and it seems like every one of them offers something different. So I, when people ask me, which is the best one, I don't know that I can tell you. Well, uh, so, so, yeah. so what, what, what would you advise um, musicians to look for in their distributor? Uh, there's a few things. Um, there are some services where the basic process is free. Uh, Sound drop, I believe is free. Uh, CD baby and TuneCore, you're going to pay per project. Uh, I think TuneCore is a yearly fee. CD Baby is a one-time fee. And, but then you also have to look at what the returns are, like where they're making their money, how you're making your money, because sometimes it balances out that one 
when might seem upfront that it's gonna cost more, but in the end you might make more. Um, one of the things I've been looking for, I, because I do a lot of jazz projects and work with a lot of jazz artists, uh, you know, recording jazz standards is a big deal. So um, I work with a lot of people who are recording cover tunes. And so I'm always encouraging them now go with one of the companies that also does the licensing for you as part of the process where uh, you don't have to now go to an outside licensing to get permission from the publishers to record and release those tunes. You can do it as part of the pro uh, process. And again, like uh, Sounddrop is one that I, I've been using recently and they do that. So for each song that's a cover, you click the little box and then you're, you're charged uh, I'm not going to remember the numbers, but it's like ten dollars a year. Or something so, what like did that. they do? Do they have a relationship with Harry Fox or something? How does that work? Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the dumb musicians' way. I have no idea. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> Your honesty is refreshing, Tony. I, yeah, I don't care what they do as long as I'm covered. And I, it works. That's great. all you know. And as long as, and here's what it really is: as long as I don't have to go to Harry Fox, because it's uh, you know that process keeps is, it simple. It's laborious and, and it is kind of, a, it, it's kind of pricey. You and know, it can the, be intimidating uh, for someone who hasn't done it. Right. And there's so much, yeah, especially for people who haven't done it. When you find out that you're supposed to pay licensing uh, for before sales, meaning you have to tell them right. how many, how many you, you're manufacturing. Projected. You have a, yeah, yeah, you have to project how many you're going to sell and then you have to pay. And so it might cost somebody an additional thousand dollars just to put out their little thing on cd baby to get the licensing for these tunes so i love doing it through these services where you just click the box you pay a little fee you know monthly fee or whatever and it's it's all handled that's so much better for me uh there's also easy song licensing um com which is a pretty good company as well uh so there are different ways you can do it but that's my preferred one so i look for that um but again there, there's just so many uh so many different options i'm like looking through the list over here trying to see if anything sparks me but you know the orchard you can't just go to the orchard like you can cd baby like right. you said permission based and and um so not every that's not going to apply for everybody right what's so. what's your experience with um customer service between these different um companies because that's the one thing that you know other than an artist saying, who do I use? Because they hear all of them. The next thing they say is, oh, I use these guys, but man, they never answered an email. They never picked up the right. phone. That seems to be the one of the biggest differentiators for acts out there is, did I get a good customer service response? Or right. Well, I think like, uh, like any industry, the bigger the company, the better the, the customer service has the potential to be. So I'll use the, the three examples I've talked about, CD Baby, TuneCore, and SoundDrop. Um, with CD Baby, it's a big company. I've always had great customer service from them. I can get them on the phone in a couple minutes. Uh, they've always answered questions, walked me through the steps. I, I, in fact, I've always pointed to CD Baby as one of the best um, user portals on the internet because from the time you enter your name you know, to, uh, to enter a project, the whole thing, the whole, the form and everything is just so easy to use and easy to, as easy to understand as it can be made, I guess. And that's not the case with a lot of the other companies who, again, assume you know what ISRC is or assume you know all these things. 
Um, so I would put them at the top of the list in terms of user friendliness and uh, customer service. Um, TuneCore, I never, I don't recall having issues with uh, the distribution, but I did one year, so maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago, or whenever they introduced it, uh, they introduced a publishing arm. Basically, they were going to monitor all the uh, online royalties, streaming royalties. So I thought, all right, I'm going to give this a try because I had a few projects with them. That, that was a different story for me. And I ended up feeling pretty trapped in that because I could never reach anybody. And uh, it took me a long time to get out of that contract. Now, I'm going to uh, give them the benefit of the doubt that that was a few years ago and maybe that's all fixed. So I, I would invite, rather than be the, the negative guy online right now, I, I, <laughs> I, would, I would invite you to check it out and look at some customer, customer reviews of where that service is. So, um, but at that time, it was, it was pretty tough. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the new model with a lot of these companies, unfortunately, is no phone service. It's all email based. Right. Um, and, and for example, I, I had a project recently that we put out on SoundDrop. And uh, their upload process isn't very, it's not a great one. Like all, all the steps are there, but you kind of have to be 100% ready to go and everything has to go right. Like there's no, you can't save it, which is, yeah. a horrible which thing. is pretty common in a lot of platforms, by the way. Right. Yeah, it is. And uh, even some of the majors, right. FYI. Yeah. And that, so that's been a problem because sometimes I, the project I'm talking about now, there were 21 tracks on it. And so the fact that oh I had, my to, gosh. I had to, have to start over that I had to start over was horrible. And then the, uh, uh, then once I did, there was a problem with it but it took weeks to find out. Now, a lot of that is just pandemic based because these companies are short staffed right now anyways. So it's, it's a little problematic. So if you're, here's what I tell people with the distributors. If you're looking to make a career out of this and do this in the long term, then you need to dig in and you need to get to know all these steps and work with one of these companies, first of all, that has the potential to be around a long time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, if you're just putting out, you know, if, like I'll say, I'll say this, I have a neighbor about four doors down who's not in the music business at all, but he wrote a Mother's Day song for his mother and wanted to put it out, you know. So I told him his best avenue was CD Baby because it's going to be the easiest for him and there's all the, those steps are easy. Even if he didn't want to go through my book and handle his own ISRC and UPC, all of it's right there. And the main thing was the customer service is going to be the easiest for you. And that, gotcha. you know, so there, there's really value in all these companies and there's negatives in all of them. Yeah. So tell me, what, what does a musical director do? Uh, it depends on the artist, to be honest. What do you do when you're like a, in the studio or rehearsing, whatever you're doing with these guys? Because my, in my head, I think conductor. You know, you're up there with the batons. <laughs> right. and you know, in, in a way, that's sort of what it is, but I, I actually don't conduct at all. And I've been in embarrassing situations in front of orchestras where that's become really evident. <laughs> and uh, uh, Can't you fake know, it, Tony? Uh, I can't even fake it. All right. Um, with, uh, I'll say like with Jane Lynch, she's sort of handed me everything. And she just said, you just tell me when to show up and what to sing, you know? So from there, I, I really have been able to pick, uh, other than picking songs, she picks, you know, a lot of the songs she wants to sing, but I, I do the arrangements. I book the musicians. I, uh, I rehearse the musicians. 
yeah. I deal with uh, when we go on the road. I'm dealing with the myself and the road manager dealing with the um, uh, the theaters and and the production crew and all of that. So it really is having the wide scope and Got basically it. so that she knows when she walks in, everything is handled and she doesn't need to worry whether right. the, the drummer's going to play that part right. Do you have a stand-in for her that does the rehearsals before <laughs> no. she gets in there? Because <laughs> no. believe it or not, I was talking to a friend of mine who plays with Elton John, and yeah. and they do. Oh, um, they do. Yeah, yeah, they have somebody who's playing. They do their rehearsal. They learn their new songs. Elton is just one of those freaks that's so good and has such a great ear. He can just walk in and, you know, of course, he's been doing this for a long time. But that yeah. I was wondering if you were, as your music, musical directing if you had somebody kind of fill that role with the band or you just play without a singer no there are times well another great thing about jane is she she uh decided to just use my existing quintet as her backup band so i'm on i get to go on the road with my guys which is great and um but so we're so we're used to just rehearsing on our own anyway so at times when it's like if we have a tour coming on she actually doesn't ask this of us, but we just, we decide on our own, let's get together before the rehearsal with Jane and just run through everything again. So we do that on our own and we just like to hang out together anyways. So, yeah. um, uh, and she, she doesn't need to be there for that. But the, you know, the truth is we, we can't do a sound check uh, at a theater without her coming in two hours early and just hanging out with us. I mean, she's just way, way on board and into it and has fun so she's always there when we when we need her to be and she'll she'll come if we ask her to come to a rehearsal you know an hour and a half away at my house she'd come she's just great that way you know yeah what kind of venues are, is this i mean is it like some of the jazz venues you know like yoshi's or you know that that kind of thing or is we've it done a, we've done a few rooms like that like there's a, a chain of city wineries that sort yeah, of yeah yeah mm -hmm. those are great we've done some of those but we do a lot of performing arts centers. Um, Max, yeah. I would I would say like five to two thousand seats is kind of her average room. That makes sense. Adult crowd. And we've gotten to do some rooms like the Kennedy Center, which was you know great, and and uh, Lyric Opera in in Chicago. Some some really big rooms, some beautiful symphony. Any rooms. festivals like Detroit Jazz Festival or no? We haven't done that. I mean, her show is really uh, it's interesting because it's it's changed when we started out, nobody knew what to expect when they went to see Jane Lynch in concert because yeah. she wasn't known for being a singer. And I think a lot of people, in fact, we heard this all the time. People thought it was going to be a stand-up show or, you know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So no, nobody knew. And Kate Flannery, same thing. She was on the office for all those years and yeah. never sang a note. Yeah. Um, and, and yet she's a fantastic singer. And so, yeah. um, uh, over time she started to build this audience but the christmas album really helped the christmas album which uh, we had five originals that i wrote and then some some uh, traditional tunes standards yeah yeah and actually not even standards she dug deep like she as we were recording it she goes i don't want to pay any royalties let's just go public domain oh wow <laughs> so, went really so deep. we went yeah like, we pulled songs from the 1700s out um, <laughs> gregorian chants yeah there's a couple of them on there and we did these you know really cool jazz versions with three-part vocal harmony and, and you know dave brubeck stuff behind her and oh uh, really i'm gonna have to oh, go back and listen to that it's, it's a fun out we did there's big man on there there's some acapella stuff there's some real straight ahead jazz there's a lot of there's some kooky stuff it's there's like 
one or two songs that are kind of funny and the rest of it is uh -huh. all the rest of it's a serious beautiful christmas album um but what one of those songs that the album went to the top 10 on billboard we had a song that was a number five in the country for christmas and uh, so that that project has really helped with uh people understanding now that she's singing so we do a christmas tour that that one's been selling out each year we yeah. do it and unfortunately yeah, we had to cancel this year's it's really hard to get someone when they perceive someone to be an actor or an athlete or whatever it is to switch some folks can make that switch you know uh, Streisand or somebody can make that acting to whatever dance triple threat kind of thing. But, right. you know, I, I remember seeing Billy Bob Thornton's band, the box masters, and they're, they're awesome. They're a lot yeah. of fun, but yeah, it's so hard for people to kind of wrap their head around. Like that's the guy from sling blade, you know, right. Right. but you almost have to suspend disbelief. Do you, do you find that's a challenge sometimes that people just don't really take her seriously until they actually get yeah. into it? I, I think, uh, well, again, it was, uh, we all saw that when it started because people were just kind of confused and didn't know what to expect. <laughs> and and, uh, and thankfully, you know, her show was definitely funny. Um, and, uh, you know, between, it, it, it's funny because Jane ends up being kind of the straight man to Kate being the, the crazy lunatic on stage. Yeah, I wouldn't have and, expected uh, and that. And they, they just have a great relationship on stage and, um the first show we did was called See Jane Sing, and it was um, it was uh, it was a mix. She described it as a, a collection of songs that have nothing to do with each other. So there was no theme to the night. It was just songs she liked from Broadway or '70s, or you know, we did a a medley of songs that made us cry when we were kids. You know, like Billy oh, wow. Don't Be a Hero stuff like sure. that. <laughs> um, you know. And, so it was just a, a bunch of wild kooky stuff and then some beautiful moments of you know kind of serious music and uh and really the christmas album did a lot of that and um but there yeah there was definitely we heard that all the time after shows like i had no idea what to expect or what you know which i always wondered why did you buy a ticket to come if you right. you know like that that star power happened. other than just wanting to see jane yeah um but uh yeah, so it was it was a great process to walk through with her and see that. But I think people now recognize that. And she's uh, done some of the TV, the the talk shows where she's singing, and uh, so We're I think that's a little more out there for her now. But yeah, yeah, I always I always kind of feel bad for those people. Like I know Kevin Costner was into music before acting. Uh, Same with Billy Bob. Yep, Billy Bob. I think Johnny Costner's Depp. a good good example. Yeah. yeah those guys and uh i just did a project uh where i was just engineering music for uh the bridges family jeff and bo bridges and bo's daughter emily did a project and uh that was another one i i did a gig where um uh jeff bridges band was on the bill as well and i had no idea he did that and there was this yeah. great band, you know so yeah do you get involved in any of the marketing i did with Jane for any for of this stuff you yeah. did with Jane, I did. Uh, yeah, Jane was really a project that um, she handed me, again, handed me all the reins to. And so that was why, where this book came from, again, was me wanting to make sure I did it right. Because, the, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty well-known name, if something exploded, I didn't want to be the guy on TMZ who destroyed her career. You know? <laughs> right. You're the guy. <laughs> right. That's what I always tell her whenever it's my turn to drive the van. It's like, I don't want to be the guy on TMZ. No, no, no. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. T t Tony, um, 
of the topics you've covered in your your book here, what do you think is the one that that most musicians ignore, don't understand, completely forget? What do, what do they really need to pay attention to? Um, these days, it really comes down to. Uh, I, I do think understanding the ISRC codes is very important because so much of this comes down to streaming anymore. Uh, hardly anybody's making money selling albums and, uh, you know, short yeah. of performing it, you've got to have a grip on streaming. And even though it's going to be pennies, you want to get every penny. And the only way you can do that is really understanding all this. So understanding what sound exchange does in relation to what ASCAP does or BMI and understanding the difference between the two uh, is really important. Uh, sound exchange, again, I work with so many artists who have been in the business for years who have never heard of sound exchange. And, and uh, or even if they've heard of it, they don't understand how it works. They, they don't understand that there's a difference between being a master owner and being a featured artist and how the featured artist thing works and how it, all of that feeds into your, into your income. Yep. So uh, sound exchange is a big one. Uh, the ISRC codes, uh, you know, one of the things that um, every time you go to one of these services to upload an album, it's going to say, uh, it's going to have a space for your ISRC code for each song. Right. Um, and, and it's going to say, if you don't have one, we'll supply one for you, which is what I did for all my early digital releases. I'm like, okay, great. I don't know what that is. So just go ahead and supply it. Sure. And it wasn't until Lucille, my uh, manager I've mentioned, uh, basically uh, screamed at me on the phone like, you idiot, why are you doing that? You know, uh, they, you know in a nutshell with ISRC so codes, it's, it, every digital uh, audio file that's released out on the internet has, is supposed to have this code embedded so that the computer systems, this global beast we can't see in the air, can recognize who owns this file. And that code is what tracks that. And basically, there's one source to get these codes, and you can either get it yourself or you can go to one of these companies who bought thousands in bulk and is going to basically lease them to you. So those codes, when you do that through CD Baby or any of these companies, those codes actually belong to them. Now, it doesn't mean that they're siphoning money off of it. Um, and, you know, it all still kind of works out. But her, her whole point was, we don't know where this business is going to be five years from now, 10 years from now. It's yeah. entirely, you know, uh, uh, remember the old uh, web engine web crawler? That was, yeah. that was the one years ago. They're nowhere now. So who knows if CD Baby will be here 10 years from now. That's right. And, and so it's such a, it's a, a much smarter process now to do those codes yourself, get your own code one time. I mean, I spent so much money buying new codes every time. Now I paid one fee and I have, I have codes I can use for the rest of my career for that one fee. And they're all registered to me, all in my name. So it's just understanding things like that is really important. Um, and then again, understanding how that works with sound exchange. Uh, I'm going to um, open myself up to some competition here. <laughs> and, and this ties into something earlier we were talking about in terms of, uh, you know, filling my time during the pandemic but mm -hmm. um this actually i did this about a year ago i had a day off and and uh no i'm gonna start over i did this about 10 years ago and then i did it again about uh, a few about a year ago 
Um, 10 years ago, I had a day off and I had just had a conversation with somebody about how all this had changed, how now we can, you know, versus when we started, now we can all record albums at home. We can re uh, release them. We have Photoshop. We can do our own album cover. We can do the whole thing ourselves, really. So theoretically, I can be a one-man artist and record company, graphic designer, the whole thing. I thought, all right, I have a day off. I'm going to just, I'm going to try to record an entire album in a day, release it on the same day. And so I, I sat, uh, sat at my keyboard and I ended up playing, doing an album of traditional wedding music. Here comes the bride, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Sure. And uh, play different versions, piano and trumpet, organ and trumpet. So, uh, string, you know, whatever, just all these versions thinking maybe there's people out there getting married. They, there's 10 people at the wedding. They don't have a budget and they're just going to play a recording. So I'm just going to put that out there. So I did the same thing uh, about a year ago. And I thought, I'm just going to take, just play piano and do, uh, I, I put like 18 tracks together and did an album of music for funerals. I didn't put my name on these. I just released them, you know. Both of those albums have been my biggest consistent sellers. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows it's me doing it, but uh, yeah. like the, the funeral one that I did about a year ago, it's, it brings in like $300 a month. Wow, just, mailbox money. It's just mailbox money. And it's, if I didn't have my streaming thing together, that wouldn't be there. I get these reports it's from not the well, yeah, I mean, I get, I get my reports from, uh, you know, with all my albums out there and my jazz, my jazz records take up about this much space on the form. And then there's like 40 pages of all these streams of funeral music and wedding music. And it's crazy, you know, so yeah. that's a little trick you can do. You can, you can record an album on your own. Find a little niche and see if you can nail it. You know, that's a really good piece of advice. I was talking to a musician friend of mine the other day who was recording these albums with uh, the moniker of Chill because up until the pandemic, that was kind of the number one search term right. in a lot of these smart speakers, right? Of course, now it's children's music. So now he and his partner are recording some of these, you know, things for children's music. And there's a need there. And then when people search for it, you know, if you're optimizing your search and doing all the right things, sometimes your things, I'm sure some of your funeral things or wedding things come up in these searches for people. Right. And that's the beauty of music. It's played at funerals and weddings and, and everything. Right. I think that's really smart to think about other ways that you can monetize your, your craft. You right. know, um, I spoke to a guy recently who was doing a lot of stems or he was doing a lot of, you know, parts for people to use in their songs you know right. so you can get creative there i i love that about the the funerals I, and the weddings I, uh, you know i have a, a friend who's got um the most basic of recording setups he's basically got a microphone a cheapy little <laughs> interface and uh and garage band and he put out a, a little project of vocal warm-ups it's not even not even music that you know, sure. but, but people are finding it and buying it. And, you know, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I, I can't, uh, I can't say I haven't watched a lot of Netflix over the last few months, but I, cause, because I have, but <laughs> I constantly remind myself if I, if a day goes by and I'm not walking into my studio and I'm just wasting time, like yeah. I, I'm, I've wasted time. That's basically yeah. it. You know, so we, if you have any resources at all, it's so it's easier now than ever to do something. Yeah. Um, and I still maintain my artist side and all the other stuff I do, but 
there's yeah. no reason there's no real excuse to have downtime is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. So, so Tony, where can people find your book? Where can people find more about you and, and what's going on? Well, you know, I give my book away for free because uh, I, I, I made the decision wow. early on that if I, if I was going to sell it, I'd better be an expert. And, <laughs> and I, didn't wanna, I didn't want that responsibility. Um, so I, I I give it away free. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know if there's a link on my website right now. I'm, I'd be happy to add one and I could say, if you check my website in a day, it'll be there. But if you, if you, uh, for your audience, I mean, whatever link or however it is you reach this audience, I'm happy to give you that link. And it's just a free download uh, that you can take. It's a, you know, like a PDF book. Yeah. Yeah. That that's fantastic. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll yeah. put the link in the show description. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd be happy to do that. And, and that's it's really about just trying to help my artist friends, you know, yeah. as, as much as I can because we just we all need help. You know, we're yeah. all in this together. What about your business? I mean, do you have a, a website or socials or are you? Yeah, you can just uh, you can just go to tonyguerrero.com, G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O, uh, dot com, and then. Uh, um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Instagram is Tony Guerrero Quintet. Um, my uh, my Facebook, you can find me on Facebook pretty easily. And um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I definitely am more social online than I am business. You know, yeah. I I just uh, I think that's a good way I, to be. Yeah, my my, biz, my business sort of handles itself, I guess. Like I I don't do I always promote my stuff. Like you know, if I've got shows coming up, which doesn't happen a lot these days, but right. um, uh, you know, if I've got new projects out or, or sometimes I like to just give away old projects online and, you know, yeah, just, just do it. I mean, at this point it's, uh, it's just about trying to stay creative and actively engaged in music, you know, yeah. and do whatever I can to make money. But I, I need to keep the fun and the creative side. You know, I've done a few of those pandemic quarantine videos. We, we did a full, uh, a big band recording with, you know, 22 musicians and then my quintet did one and i got to do a, a tune with some of my jazz heroes arturo sandoval and oh. Batman and brian bromberg yeah. um a couple other Fantastic. guys and we, yeah we did a tune put that out and yeah stuff like that that's great i bet you can't wait till you can play live again <laughs> yeah I, I i will say this i'm one of the lucky ones because i i've been playing at a jazz club the last couple of years called campus jacks down here in orange county yeah and um, they they've been ahead of the curve on a lot of the a uh, lot of this quarantine, both in terms of their food service and being available to the public. Uh, they very early on set up outdoor seating and staging, and uh, they have QSC involved. They've got a, a big, beautiful stage outside, lighting. They do five camera shoots. They re- they are recording every, all the music uh, multi track, and Q, like I said, QSC is handling the sound. So we're putting on on shows once a week. They're not, not just me. I'm hosting a lot of them, Sure. but we're bringing bands in and you know, their goal is just to try to keep, uh, keep the artists engaged and their audience engaged and even just working, you know, and their staff. So they've been ahead of the curve, which is really great. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I've been able to do a couple of live shows recently because of them. 
yeah. um, and because they're doing that. So, yeah. Well, Tony, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, this, this dumb musician's guide, I think that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually a really great resource and thanks so much for putting that together and sharing it with folks free of charge. I think it's fantastic. Thank, thank, thank you, you, Tony. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's an easy read. Don't good. Don't, good don't get intimidated people. It's worth downloading because you'll get through this very quickly and it hits all the basics you got to remember. Yeah. 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 And, and Thanks. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Tony. Thanks for coming. Tony. We really Thanks appreciate it. All right. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. You know, like I said, Jay, uh, it's such an, it's an easy read book. It's, it's not one of these books that, you know, is filled with info that it's like, oh, it's going to take you a month to get through it's all of it. It's that thick. Yeah, you know, this is uh, basically, a, what, 18, 19 pages, 11 topics, um, and it's all the real basics. You've got to nail this stuff no matter what you release and when you're releasing it. This has yeah. to apply to every release. Yeah, it's a really good reference. Um, every now and then I'll have uh, an artist say, now explain sound exchange again to me, or you know, can, yeah. you, can you talk about a Harry Fox license, or what are the different, one of the things I like that he has in here is kind of the breakdown of the finances, like where's the money coming from in a composition? And for those that have been in the business a long time, they know that stuff. But for those who are just kind of breaking in and they're learning these things, grab this thing as a reference and just keep it handy when things come up, you can kind of refer to it. Uh, but it's, it's a really cool little uh, reference. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like we said, the link is in the show description. So wherever you're watching or listening to the show, uh, just check the notes there and you'll find the link to download this ebook for free. So there's, yeah. there's no cost. There's nothing to lose here. Give it a shot. Um, all right. So real quick shout out. Thank you to Hypebot and Bruce. Bands in Town for everything you do to promote the show. And of course, to our weekly sponsors, thank you, Bandzoogle, and thank you, DiscMakers.com. Uh, we appreciate your support. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Pound it. Pound it. <laughs> Pound that follow button on Spotify and subscribe and leave a review and rating on iTunes. We appreciate it a lot. And uh, Music Biz Weekly, that's it. We're out of here till next week.